Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial. No, what is it? Is it Tuckheads Tuesday? Gosh, I got ahead of myself there. It's presented by DraftKings. America's number one rated sportsbook app and an unbelievable DFS opportunity for the Super Bowl that I told you guys about yesterday. It's a new week, which means we will have a new spread the word winner via social media. All you have to do is engage Maverick at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, doesn't matter. We'll have a new sponsor confirmation email winner, which we love. Those of you that take advantage of any of our glorious sponsors. Like 1-800-Flowers, yes, it's Valentine's Day season. It's flowers season. You know how I feel about that. And then the YouTube shout-out. Somebody that subscribes to the new YouTube page, comments on it, boom, you just entered. And you might win. I'll give you a cameo-style shout-out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Anytime. By the way, uh, no new patrons today, patreon.com slash RT Media. The happy hour, though was amazing Friday night from Kansas City. Speaking of Kansas City, Friday night, before we did the happy hour, I got some takeout food from Jack Stack Barbecue. A lot of people applauded it. Some people said, no, nah, you should have gone here, you should have gone there. Some people said, "What? why didn't you get burnt ends, blah, blah, blah. I did get a nice text message, though, from today's guest who said, Jack Stack's. Good choice. That is my buddy, Albert Breer. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Anytime I get a chance to get Albert Breer from MMQB and Sports Illustrated and all the stuff he does up in the Boston area on the show, I am very, very happy to do it. I think he's one of the best writers out there when it comes to pro football, one of the best insiders out there. I don't even think it's debatable. He's at Albert Breer on Twitter. And just so you know the kind of rock star he is, it is 6 a.m. <laughs> Central Standard Time in Mobile, Alabama, where Albert is right now. Albert, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for giving me cover there because I do kind of look like crap. So I uh, <laughs> normally I'd have the nice setup in my home office. You know, we all have at, like through 10 months of this, I think we've all like got like a nice home home office set up and you happen to make the call when I'm at the 
at, at the Battle House Hotel in Mobile, Alabama at six in the morning. So, uh, yeah, thank you for, for, for making that excuse for me. I appreciate it. So a couple of things, Albert. First of all, you you applauded the Jack Stack decision, and you spent some time yeah. in Kansas City, so you would know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I actually – Jack Stack's probably my go-to. There's the gas station. Have you heard of Oklahoma Joe's? I, you know what? Somebody else told me right. you got to get the gas station barbecue from right. Joe's. Which is actually in Kansas. Like you have to cross the state line and go over into Kansas to get Oklahoma Joe's, but that's pretty good. Um, there are a bunch of good places. I mean, look, man, it's not like I, I didn't grow up in that part of the country. So I guess I've got maybe like a little less discerning taste when it comes to barbecue, but I thought Jack stack is awesome. And when everything's okay, like it's okay to go and sit down at a restaurant, sit down at a bar. It's actually like a really nice place too. So if like, you want to go watch a game and you're in Kansas city and you know, you're there alone on work, which I, there's nothing, I, I don't know about you, Ross. I'm a big fan of like when I'm, when I'm on a, on a work trip going and eating by myself at the bar. Like I, I just, you know, you can sit there, mind your own business, check your phone, all of that. Like Jack Stack's a great place to do that. You know, it's funny that you say that because <laughs> I often, if I'm out to eat with a group and I see someone sitting at the bar by themselves eating or even at a table eating by themselves I, my initial instinct sometimes is to be sad. Like I feel bad for them. Like I'll say to my wife, we should invite him over. And my wife's like, he's probably on business, Ross. Like he probably doesn't want to come over, but I have this, like, I have this like internal guilt. Like I want to be social and inclusive of people. No, I know what you're saying, but like, I'm telling you, once you do it once, You'll be like, holy crap, this is awesome. Nobody's bothering me. If I've got something to get done, I can get it done. If I want to check on something, if there's something I wanted to read on the internet, I can do it now. It's I, I'm telling you, it's a great experience. And like I'm with you. Like when I first started traveling, you know, a lot for work, I it was weird going out to dinner by myself. You know what I mean? But once you get used to it, I'm telling you, it is an A plus experience. Yeah, no, I've done it a few times. I I, I like it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I feel like all my travels this year, you know, where you're not really eating it anywhere, I always just like Google closest Panera. Because <laughs> I'll yeah. go there and I'll get like a salad or something, like a you pick two for like right. three days worth and put it in the hotel fridge. I mean, I didn't do that in Kansas City, but depending on where I was and where the hotel was in some of these college towns or well, whatever. You're kind of an anomaly, though, because you haven't like cut back. Like I've cut way back on travel. You haven't cut back that much, right? You're still traveling. Like so, Sunday normal, was right? my 27th football game this year. Um, right, so that's normal I did thir- for you, right? 13 in the booth for CBS TV mm-hmm. College, 13 in the booth for Westwood One NFL, and then Sunday was my first sideline experience. And I'm done. I'm done now. I'm not going to the Super Bowl. Um, most of those, though. Albert, I'd say 20 of them probably I could drive to. I think I only ended up flying to like seven. Um, Most of them I was able to drive to, which makes a big difference. Were they long drives though? Like, was it like, were you doing like eight, 10 hour drives to make it work? No, no, no. no. Uh, You know, a lot of them, like eight of them are Army West Point, which is three hours for me. Buffalo was like three, which is four. I mean, a lot of like Eagles, Giants, you know um so they helped you out that way yeah yeah Yeah. i think i think the networks actually tried to do that yeah uh, as much as they could 
You, though, are in Mobile, Alabama, which, by the way, is good timing because on today's College Draft podcast, Emory Hunt and I are going to go over some of the more intriguing prospects in Mobile. Is it fair to say, though, Albert, you're not – I'll just get, I'll give you an open canvas here. Sure. Why are you in Mobile? I was going to say, are you there more for the coaching well, carousel and the networking, or are you there more – to discuss these prospects normally i'd be here for the networking 100 percent, and that's like a huge part of my job as you know i always tell um you know when you know I, I when i talk to my bosses about where i where i'm going it's like you send me to these to, to this place to indianapolis for a week and that'll serve you for the other 52 right like so like that's always the way that i look at it um this week's gonna be different though man like so i like i don't know <laughs> about like the idea of like I'll go out to dinner, but like going in into a crowded bar, stuff like that. Like, I don't know that I do that. And so like the networking aspect of it is like, sort is cut, cut way down. And the guys here are sort of on lockdown. The guys here are being told not to do certain things too. Like it's cut down to about 10 scouts per team. And so there is still a networking aspect of it. And it's going to be running into people in the hotel lobby and that sort of stuff and a practice. But um, this year, like sort of, what I what I'm here to do is a story on how the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, all of those guys have tried to make this work, and how I believe Ross now, and and I I can't say it's 100, percent but I believe that this is the first uh, All Star game in North America since the pandemic hit. And if you think about it, like an All Star game is like the worst idea during a pandemic, right? Because you're flying people in from every different corner of the country and mixing them together and putting them in close in, in close contact, right? And so that's what's like sort of fascinating about this one to me. Baseball's all-star game got canceled. Um, you know, hockey and basketball, we haven't gotten there. I don't know if they're even having an all-star game. I'm not sure, but or all-star games like I, like for this seemed that this seems to me I, I think this is the first North American all-star game. And so just the idea of how the whole thing works is fascinating, I think. It's a really good point. You know, it's funny, though, because the other All-Star games are truly exhibition that serve no other purpose, whereas the Senior Bowl, it's an All-Star game, but it's really not. I mean, it's really more of a job interview. Mm -hmm. It does serve a purpose well beyond just getting guys together to play a game. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's going to be even more important this year. That's the other aspect to this. With the combine canceled now, um, there's no guarantee that these teams are going to be able to sit down face to face with prospects at all after this, because you're not going to have the combine interviews. You're not allowed to bring them into your facility. The pro days are going to be really locked down. And so, you know, you've got these GMs, you've got these scouts contributing to these decisions. You've got head coaches who are going to be making multi-million dollar decisions for their franchise. And they're going to be picking guys who, you know, in some cases, they may not have had a chance to sit down face to face with. And so that's what I think is so interesting about this particular week and this particular year is this is normally an important week for scouts and, and a, like sort of a draft kickoff week for a lot of scouts. Uh, but this year, I mean, the fact that you're going to get to go and see them body type these guys at practice and watch them move around and then sit down with them face to face at night. And that's huge because there's a chance you're not going to be able to do it again before we get to April. It's a great point. Uh, great point. And it's interesting. 
because you know, I, I saw the Eagles, right? I do their preseason games mm-hmm. and pre and uh, pregame. You know, they had Sirianni, Nick Sirianni, their new head coach, there yesterday, and they were showing him around. Yeah, like he he was at he, he was in South Philly at the Novacare Complex, and he's hired. He's their head coach, but he had never seen any <laughs> of the facilities before. Like yeah. that used to be unthinkable, and they're like. Here's your office. Here's your right. <laughs> it was kind of funny. It's crazy, and I, like, and that was like honestly, like that plays into like the coaching carousel stuff too. If you really look at it, like I had somebody tell me, I had somebody say to me, um, an executive who's making one of these decisions for one of the seven teams that was looking for a coach said, you know, well, like, sure, we could hire like Eric Bieniemy or Leslie Frazier or Brian Dayball or one of those guys that was still alive in the playoffs at the time but then I'm hiring a guy I've never met face to face. And I thought about that and it's like, yeah, but by rule, they have not met that guy, those guys face to face. And again, like how much, like you are, you are, you are writing like a $30 million check for your owner, right? Like in hiring a coach and you're doing it in bringing in a guy who you've never sat down face to face with. I mean, think about that. And it's the reality of where we are. I think we all understand why, why, why it is that way. But it's just it's such an interesting dynamic. And I think, Ross, it's going to be really interesting to look four or five years down the line where, you know, hopefully everything's back to normal. Like We're going to be able to look back at some of these decisions and maybe see a lot of things that went wrong. But then also maybe like you see some things that went right as well. Let's dive into a couple of these situations. Uh, for example, the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, <laughs> Jack Easterby. Look, I, I, I'll, I'll just say this, Albert. I don't know the guy. And I almost feel like at times, I almost feel bad for him. Like, I don't, I don't know. I never met the guy. And a lot of people have never met the guy. And yet the public perception of him is so bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it almost seems at times like either he's really an awful human being or people have it out for him. It's it's the weirdest thing because if you talk to like the people who were with him in New England, right, when he didn't have all this power, um, you know, like a lot of the coaches and scouts, they knew that like Bill basically had him grading them, right? Like his job in New England was more or less the same way that Bill grades the players, decides, you know, what's right and wrong about the dynamics between the players. Uh, you know, he's sort of overseeing the health of the locker room. Jack's job was sort of the same to do with to, to do that with the coaches and the scouts, right? So imagine this guy who is sort of overseeing you and doesn't really have the hammer, but is influencing the guy that does have the hammer, right? Like everybody be a little skittish around that guy, right? So they were like they were all a little bit like, oh well, you know, I gotta make sure I'm you know on my bleep when I'm when he's around. Yeah, but at the same time, they all loved him. And I thought that was sort of an interesting piece to it. And then, you know, the players loved him because the players, he wasn't in charge of grading the players. So that was the dynamic in New England, you know, and then you you put him in Houston where he actually does have the hammer now. And one of the first things that happens, you know, after he gets there is a general manager gets fired. And now all of a sudden his chance to sort of build those relationships with those people is out the window and everybody's scared of him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so now you've sort of got this, like, like almost like this kind of like I don't know what the right word is this this figure there this figure that like you know he's got some control 
over what happens in the organization. He doesn't have like, like it's never been made clear to you exactly like how much power he has, but you know, he has some power. And I just think like because of the way he entered the organization and because his role is so unconventional and because people who are there can't point to him and say like, oh, yeah, well, that's like just like somebody I worked with over here or somebody I worked with over there. I, like It's just sort of, I think, generated a really, really unhealthy situation. Got it. Fair enough. Um, Deshaun Watson, it sounds like, you know, the latest report is, no matter who they hire, even if they yeah. hire someone that he would like, like Eric Bieniemy, he still wants out. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your understanding of why he wants out so bad? Uh, yeah, my understanding is that it's just sort of comes down to it's it's been one thing after another for him there, right? Like so, it was first it was the power struggle between Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien. Then it was Brian Gain getting fired. Then it was the arrival of Jack Easterby and what that meant for the organization. Now, all of a sudden, O'Brien's gone. So it's been the instability of the organization really since he got there. Um, and I think, you know, you add all of that, like, which is the background to it, to where are we going from here? And, you know, I don't think Deshaun told and said to anybody, like, I want to pick the general manager. I want to pick the head coach. It was more, they told him, like, we're going to consult with you. We're going to talk with you. And then they did start, they did talk to him about what was going on. And there were names that they brought to him. And it did seem like he was involved. And then all of a sudden, they reversed course. And they had said, we're not going down that Patriot path again. And they did. And they went and got a name that he hadn't even, hadn't even been introduced to him. And then beyond just that, the names he gave them, because, you know, Eric Bieniemy was one that was recommended to him. Like they didn't even bring in Eric Bieniemy for an interview. And so, I mean, if you're Deshaun, you look at that and you're being, you feel like you've been lied to. You feel like you've been misled. So I don't think in any way it was Deshaun saying, I need to be a part of picking the next head coach, picking the next general manager. More so, it was them lying to him about not and lying might be a strong word, but maybe misleading him to believe what his believe that he'd be more involved than he wound up being. And I'll be honest with you, Ross, like I can understand it. I mean, I'm not saying a 25 year old quarterback should be making call, these sorts of calls, but like if you were him, you'd probably feel like they were patronizing you a little bit. Wouldn't you? Uh, absolutely. Well, and when, when they were the only team, that didn't request that first week interview with Bienemy. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost it almost felt like they're going out of their way to say, "Oh yeah, you want us to interview Bienemy?" No, nope, we're not. We're the only team that's not. I mean, right. that, and that, then you hire a guy bad. who wasn't on the list that you gave him, right? Like then you got to hire a guy like kind of like off script and didn't inform him of it, and he has to find out about that on social media. Which like to, like isn't it funny, Ross? Like in twenty twenty one, it's like the ultimate signal of dysfunction and poor communication within an organization is someone important in an organization having to find out about something major on social media, right? Like that's the ultimate sign of dysfunction within an organization. But like that, I mean, that's the way it is. Somebody, you know, it could be the person on the other side, the agent that wants to get the news out. You know what I mean? Like, I think people are a little oversensitive about that. Um, I do want to ask you this though. Adam Schefter tweeted something yesterday. I thought was really interesting. Yep. Um, he said there's going to be unprecedented quarterback movement. Uh-huh. He set the over under at quarterback changes at 18. 
Uh, <laughs> that sounded high to me. I said to Adam, I said, you're on. I'll take the under. And that's a lot of quarterbacks. That's a lot now. of quarterbacks. I do think, I do think like what we're seeing though is a little bit of a Mahomes effect. And here's what I mean by that. I think for a long time, there was probably a feeling out there. You know what? Like, it'd be nice to have a top five quarterback, you know, but like if we hit it right, like we can win, we can win it all with like the 11th best quarterback or the 13th best quarterback in the league. And we've seen teams do that, right? Like Russell Wilson, when he won it, he's great now. He wasn't a top five quarterback when he won it. I don't think right. Like in his second year in the league, um, Joe Flacco, was he a top five quarterback? Like he played like one when they won it, but I don't know that he was really ever a top five quarterback in the league. Eli Manning. So you used to be like, I feel like over a lot of like over a lot of years, there was proof. Like if you build the right team around a guy who maybe is really, really good, but not great, you can win it all. Right. And now I think like teams might be a little less comfortable with the 12th best quarterback or the 14th best quarterback because they look and they see, and it's like, oh, like we got to beat that guy. And then you see Josh Allen, who isn't there yet, but like might get there, you know, and has this enormous ceiling. And then you look and see Justin Herbert and where, like, how good can Justin Herbert be? And so I think that there's like this, like, sort of like Mahomes effect that's hitting the NFL now, where it's like, can we be satisfied with the 12th best quarterback in the league? You know what I'm saying, Ross? I just think that that's super interesting because that could lead to, again, some teams churning that quarterback position. And part of it's economics, too. Like, if you have Jared Goff on your roster at $34 million per, can you be good enough around Jared Goff to win a Super Bowl? Maybe. Good question. Maybe, but maybe. I mean, when he was on his rookie deal, you could get there, right? Like, because on his rookie deal, you get there, but like maybe not at 34 million per. So I think there are lots of teams that aren't like dissatisfied with their quarterback situation, but like you see the way the Raiders have approached it the last couple of years, where it's like, we really like Derek Carr and we're okay with Derek Carr, but we're we're still looking. Like, I think there are going to be more teams that are going to approach it that way now. And, like, I, you know, I think, you know, the Niners are in that category. I think the Rams are in that category. I think there are teams out there that are kind of going to have their radar up. Like, can we get closer to the Mahomes level? And I even think you're seeing it in college football, Ross, where you see, like, the Blue Bloods now, you have to have a great quarterback, right? Like, like you saw Alabama win with good, not great quarterbacks. What do they have now? They have guys who are performing at a top level because they've got to compete against Clemson, who now has Trevor Lawrence, Ohio State, who has Justin Fields. Just an interesting dynamic that I think is happening, you know, at the position across the sport. Man, there's about a million things I could get into with you <laughs> as it relates. I mean, I, I guess the well, last it's interesting, though, isn't it? Isn't that interesting, though? Like, think about that. Like, like I think teams that if you have like the 12th best quarterback in the league, are you like the 45 win NBA team now that's facing LeBron? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I mean, you're happy well, with your you team, but you're never going to be LeBron, year, right? You know, you look at the final four teams this year. It's the top three vote getters for the MVP and Tom Brady. Right? <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. What did you make? Last thing I got to ask you: What did you make of Aaron Rodgers' comments after the game? I don't think they're trading him. I do think he knew exactly one million percent what he was saying, and I don't think he makes mistakes with these sorts of things. So. I don't think they'll trade him. I don't think they want to trade him. I don't think they have a mind to trade him. I think Matt LaFleur is being 100% forthright when he said, like, hell no, I'm not dealing him. But they need to they need to treat this 
like carefully. Like I, I just, the way I look at it and look like I, I don't think he's got that bad a situation anyway. Like that, that that's the thing about it. Like when Brady left new England, Brady was in like a tough situation in new England. That roster was in real trouble. Like I, like I look at Aaron Rodgers, you know, like he's still got David Bakhtiari in front of him like that. Like now, obviously he was hurt on Sunday, but you know, he, like he still has a pretty good offensive line in front of him. He's got, I'd say a top 10 tight end in Tunyon. He's got like a top 10 receiver in Devontae Adams. He's got a top 10 group of running backs behind him and Jones and, um, and Williams and, and Dylan. And so I don't know that it's that bad a situation um, as people have made it out to be. But like, I think you have to be, I think you have to heed his words if you're the Packers. And I, I think this is like anything else too. Like, I think, you know, I think Aaron looks around and sees the aggression with which the Bucks acted and the aggression with which the Chiefs have acted in going and putting pieces around their quarterbacks. And I think there's probably a little bit of it like where he's like, I want that, which by the way, is exactly where Brady was a year ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I think there's a little bit of that where it's like, I want you to go, I want you to act as if like the NFL is ending in a year and you only have this year to go and win. Because you know what? I'm getting older, so I don't know how many years I have left. Check him out on social, at Albert Breer. Does a terrific job. Looking forward to reading that column about the Senior Bowl. Stay safe down there, Albert. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. There he is, Albert Breer. He, I mean, he is the future and the present. I always say he's the next Peter King. Hopefully you guys enjoy him. As much as I do, I'll tell you what I enjoy getting people flowers for Valentine's Day. From first dibs on great deals to the best selection of Valentine's Day roses, don't wait. Look, this is what I do. You guys know I don't wait, I don't procrastinate. I just like to get it done. Right now, you can get 24 multicolored roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for just $10 more. This unbelievable offer from 100 Flowers, 24 multicolored roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Look, I don't care what the ladies in your likes in your life say, they want flowers, they like flowers. I have never met someone that doesn't. Send them to her office. Send them to your house, send them to your mom, whatever it is, do it. To order 24 multicolored roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code FOOTBALL. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code FOOTBALL. Hurry, because this offer expires on Friday. Takes. Morning, Ross. Let's start today with the Philadelphia Eagles. They hire former Chargers offensive coordinator Shane Steichen for the same position. It's a good hire by the Eagles because Steichen obviously did a really good job with Justin Herbert last year. Really good job. So whether it's Wentz or Hurts, I kind of like the idea that the, the Eagles have both Sirianni and Steichen to work with those young quarterbacks. Tux takes. 
Greg Olson made it official. He is retiring after a 14-year NFL career. Yeah, I think we knew this was coming. He wanted to give it one more shot with Seattle. Got paid a decent amount of dough. He did. He got hurt. They lost. But at least he can feel like he gave it one last shot to try to win a Super Bowl. You know, like, I'm going to give it one last shot. I respect that. Deuce Staley is now the Lions assistant head coach and running back coach after leaving the Philadelphia Eagles after uh, a long period there. That had to be tough for him just because he was so comfortable in Philly. You know, he had been there for so long. But Deuce is looking for more. And I think Deuce realized, okay, I've been passed over for the head coaching position a couple times now. I need to I need to go somewhere else to try to move up the ranks. And I think it'll ultimately be good for his career. It is interesting, though. You look at the Lions between Anthony Lynn and Deuce Daly and Dan Campbell. They got a lot of people that really like to run the football. Ducks takes. Buffalo Bills wide receiver Cole Beasley reveals that he played with a fractured fibula. That is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I've seen other guys do this. If it's like, uh, depending on where it is, and it's non-weight-bearing, um, you can do that. I can remember, I think Philip Crosby did that. He was a fullback when I played for the Bills. Travis Henry did that. He had a cracked fibula, and he had like 160 yards rushing against the Jets on it. So it's a little bit more common, I think, than people realize. I feel like, you know, look, it's not easy to do, obviously, and it can bother you. But I feel like every couple of years, somebody does this like, oh, my gosh, he had a broken leg. Well, yeah, kind of. He had a crack in his fibula, but I think more guys play with that than you realize. Ducks takes. Let's talk about the NFL, and they issued a paper with the CDC regarding close high-risk COVID contacts. Really like this. Uh, first of all, I encourage you to read it. Judy Batista wrote about it at NFL.com. And just some of the, you know, the NFL had all kinds of resources. They were testing these guys all the time. They had the devices on the guy's wrists. So they had a lot of information that they worked with the CDC on. Because how else would the CDC get those type of close contacts and daily testing and stuff? So they... I think people, I'm interested to read the whole paper, but I read sort of the summary about what they really learned about ventilation and and the importance of high-quality masks. And I guess a lot of this stuff is probably out there already in some way, shape, or form. I thought it was interesting. And finally, uh, you and Albert already touched on this, but anything else you want to add about uh, Aaron Rodgers' comments after Sunday's game? Well, I don't know how much I talked about it yesterday. Obviously, we, we heard what Albert said about it earlier. I don't know how much I talked about it yesterday. I can't even remember because it was actually Sunday night and we were talking about the games. He was obviously frustrated. I'm not putting that much into it. Um, I think it's weird because on the one hand, he absolutely has the right to be frustrated in particular, about the Packers' first two picks. In particular, the first-round pick. I mean, even if that's all it was about, Bry, 
he has every right to be frustrated about that. And I would be too. The flip side is, I mean, they have a top five offensive line in front of them. They have, you know, the number one receiver in the NFL probably in Devontae Adams, a very good tight end in Tunyon, a top 10 running back in Aaron Jones with some very capable backups behind it. Defense was pretty darn good at the end of the year. Defense picked off Tom Brady three times. Now, listen, uh, would it be nice to have a, a better second receiver? Sure. You know, Kevin King had a bad game. We we highlighted that. But I don't think, you know, it's not like he's got uh, a, a roster that's bereft of talent around him. However, I would be frustrated that the first round pick was used on the future rather than the now. And I think he has expressed that in his own way multiple times, essentially, uh, including once with my buddy Kyle Brandt on Kyle's podcast. That'll do it, by the way, for a Tuckheads Tuesday. Sorry, I went long with Albert, so no emails today. We do try to keep it to 30 to 35 minutes as much as we can. No emails today. Probably get to one or two tomorrow. Shout-outs to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Steakhouse Sports, Vision Comics with an X, and DinerDepot.com. College Draft Podcast is today. Senior Bowl Preview. Check it out. As well as the Even Money Podcast, our first glance at Super Bowl 55. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.